Viewer discretion is advised. They speak fluent real and went to, you know, Kohanga and stuff and they're saying like they don't they don't feel really moldy. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing's off the table. Tonight's guest house all the way from Windy Wellington, Wainuamata and Lower Hut City. Yes, Lower Hut City. He's also an amazing talent who burst onto the scene in 2018 at the Raw Comedy Quest. And since then he's gone from strength to strength. He's also been invited to several international comedy festivals. Also did his very first solo tour, the crowd um, tour in 2020. And so he's also, um, in terms of tickets being sold, it's uh, with, with, within two, two hours, but also in Auckland his shows were uh, sold within 20 minutes. So he's also been on shows like Celebrity Treasure Island, also on the Comedy Central, and also has his own show called Bouncers, uh, which he has written, directed, and also stars in. Please put your hands together for the extremely talented Joe Damon. Holy hell. What an intro. Bro, I appreciate that, Pete. Look at that. Oh, man. I feel like I'm about to go fight. <laughs> and my undies. <laughs> bro, I appreciate that, man. Oh, That's, um, did bro. you want to correct them on any of that? or? No, you killed, you <laughs> killed him, bro. Damn. Yeah, no, nah, that's a... Yeah. Uh, that's, awesome. a, that's a lot of effort to memorize all that, bro. I really oh, appreciate that. Bro, man. Hey, what's really impressive is, is your portfolio, bro. Mm. Just like, from a short span, like a, in terms of time frame, um, Joe, just what you've done and what you've uh, accomplished, bro, it's just crazy. But I just want to ask, you know, before we kind of dive into the, the real corridor, just because people think, oh, okay, man, Joe's done this amazing, doesn't done these amazing things, but I don't realize that the grind, the grind and the hard work, and, so, and also the humble beginnings. And so if you can just kind of give us a little bit about the humble beginnings before... Before making it into the, in terms of what you're doing right now, yeah, damn, I, I I've had a I've had a pretty crazy uh, upbringing that's that's really sort of lent itself to, I guess, the position I've gotten into now. Like, um, I was really lucky. My parents both uh, they both work in IT. Uh, my dad being Maori and my mum being Fijian, and you know the the typical sort of Fijian Maori career path of going into IT. Uh, we hear that all the time, mate. So, <laughs> so you know, yeah, yeah, you know, we hear that all the time. It's um, common, Fijians, so Fijians either play on the wing or they go work in IT. So <laughs> that was that was my mum um, and my dad. And so I was really lucky. I got to travel a lot when I was a kid. And so yeah, grew up overseas uh, in Asia. Moved back when I was about eleven. And. Um, a really, really crazy thing for me to experience was uh, my my old mate. Well, neither of my parents were, um, you know, had tertiary education, so they really like had to work themselves um, pretty much from the from the bottom up. Um, the The reason I sort of even learned how to operate like in a corporate environment and go through it to, you know, really engage in boardrooms and stuff is because my my dad would have to take me to work with him, and uh, both my parents were working full time as I was growing up, so. My brothers and I were right in the middle of it with them and, you know, would watch our old man like just absolutely just work himself to, to death. And, um, you know, I think when, you, when you're able to experience that firsthand with your, you know, with your parents and, and go through that with them, like it's um, it's something that, that is still etched in my memory to, to this day. And so for me, that's a massive experience that I, you know, still sort of pay homage to now. And so I, I really have to credit my mum and dad for you know, for sort of taking my brothers and I on that journey. And and that's really where that all comes from, that drive and and I guess the beginnings of what has become, 
you know, this crazy thing that is my career, I guess. So, yeah, it's been it's been really insane. Man, that's crazy, man. That's crazy because it's funny because um I know you did it. Like you did like financial and and property development, so <laughs> so I'm wondering how did they cross from that to, to comedy? It was um, yeah, it was uh, it was obviously like you couldn't get any different uh, of a career path, but you know you, my my parents fell into the the typical thing for you know Maori and Pacifica in the in this country, especially of their generation of you know they came up with the mindset of you've got to assimilate. With Pākehā, if, if you really want to succeed in a Pākehā world, and you know, especially back when they were sort of coming up, which is late nineties, early two thousands, you know, that means us as Pacifica and Māori people, we we have to pretty much get rid of everything you know that's really organic within our identity and that's really true to us if we want to succeed in this world. And it's even little things like, oh, you know, you've got to turn up on time if you want to be successful. Mm. You know, little things like that where we hear it and we're like, oh, okay, that, that must mean that if I'm not great with time management, then I can't be successful. Whereas I've sort of come up on the other end of like, nah, I can I can turn up late to shit and, and be just as valuable as somebody that turns up on time. And um, for me, being able to see my parents have to go through that experience of really intense assimilation and stripping back all their identity in order to succeed which included, you know, doing shit like IT and working corporate and, you know, dressing up and, you know, corporate clothes and doing doing all the, the whole dance and everything. That um, that kind of realisation was what I took through with my own personal experience when it came to starting in property development and finance. And then realising that I was living a life that was so far from, like, who I really am as a person. Mm. But I was just following along that path that we all, as brown people, get told, you know, day in, day out, like this is what you have to do in order to be successful. Mm. And I think I just went through a moment where I was like, nah, like I I don't have to do any of that shit. Yeah. It's not me. It, it's not our people. And so now I'm going to go do something that is not only really organic to me and my people, but it makes me happy. And what do our people do? We don't like thrive working in offices and, you know, sitting on spreadsheets and shit. We like thrive sitting around and, talking out of our asses like <laughs> you know that's what that's what we're good at and for so long we get told like that's not there's no way that's valuable yeah and for me i was like nah there's there's value in that and i'm gonna go find what that value is and that's pretty much been you know the well, what's encompassed my whole career is finding that value and the skills that we have as Māori and pacifica people so oh, yeah man Sorry, boys, I fucking came out no, quick no, no. with the TED no, Talk. No, 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 that's cool, man. That's cool. Because cool, cool. it, it shows um, the transition and sort of what drives you. And, like, I'm, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, um, when did you become self-aware around this whole cultural yeah. difference? And, like, how did it make you feel when you reflect on it? Like, mm. what your parents had to go through and seeing them having to assimilate and then um like some of the revelations or convictions mm. you were getting like it, like for me it was it was really my personal experiences that then sort of led me to kind of not only delve into like what those meant and what those represented mm. to me but then also what I'd sort of seen with my mum and dad mm. like for example a really big opener for me was um like I'd been working for this company for a long time and like I, I'd 
I'd really put in a lot of hours hours for them and I had worked as an intern full time for them for for a year so like not getting paid and so still working on the side so that I can afford to you know intern for them and was doing a lot of work and stuff and um there was this job going and uh I said to the company directors I was like hey like this job is I feel like I've provided all the skill set that is it's required you guys know me like we've built up a great relationship they're like yeah 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 no we'll take you on we'll take you on and so I was kind of bugging them for like a contract and stuff ages because like they said like yeah no nah, we'll bring you on and then how I found out that uh I didn't get the job was that um a, a family friend of theirs had come into the company and he he was working something else and the, the reason I know this is because he was telling me, he was like, yeah, no, like I wasn't really happy with what I was doing. So they just brought me on and I was like, oh, what what are you going to do? And he's like, he told me he was coming on to do the job that I was wow, wow. wanting to do. Yeah. And for me, it was, it was a really big realization. Like, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much I do at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to be beaten up by something that I can't control. And for me, that was a massive realization of I've done so many things for these people and for this sort of career path that should warrant like, I feel like I've deserved like getting something back from it and it just didn't come. And so that was that massive thing for me of like, well, I can keep knocking on the door forever. Like I watched my old man and my old lady do. I could keep knocking on the door forever or I can just decide, nah, I've, I'm worth something somewhere. And in this place, it may not be much, but I know there's value for me somewhere. So I'm going to go find that rather than, sit around and wait for them to wake up to it because they may never not Jeez. yeah so that was that was a massive one for me Jeez. yeah and, and it's really hard because you know property and finance like you hear that and that's flash mm. like it sounds mean like you tell your mates like what are you up to like oh property and finance <laughs> yeah. you know I had a in <laughs> you know and it sounds really flashing like as my parents like well, they were really proud that that was a career i was pursuing it sounds really you, you know it, it ticks all mm. the boxes for you know, and a, a, an islander mother who moved over here in her teens, and a Maori father who grew up poor. Like it took all took all the boxes off. Like, no, nah, we did right by yeah. our kids, by like getting them into good schools and teaching them how to succeed. Like our boys doing it, mm. and so it was a massive revelation for me to be like, nah, like this ain't it, mm. and there's there's better places for us. And yeah, like I said, my commitment for the next part of my life was like. Fuck it, I'm gonna go find it. Jeez, that's that's cool. That yeah. That's cool. And you know, in your navigation of finding what was the next thing, how did you know it was? You know, oh man, it's comedy. <laughs> or was it? You know, because a lot of us grew up with all our family and they all having laughs yeah. and okay, oh, you should be a comedian, but no, it's not made for everyone, or or is it? Yeah. And how did you know it was for you? You you know what? It was a massive um because first of all what I what I did was like I I had this massive revelation and then I was like I'm gonna make a list of all the things I wanna try and I'm gonna commit to trying them over the next like month. And it was random shit. It was like stand up comedy was one of them, but there was like interior design, coaching rugby, like heaps heaps of heaps of random stuff. And so I just said like I'm gonna try all of these things. But uh, a massive one for me was um, probably the biggest privilege of my life 
not only was living overseas when I was younger, but was being around um, really successful people. Because when you're when you live in an expat community overseas, like my parents, like mm. they had no money when we were overseas, like we weren't rich at all. But because you're all from different places, you all just kind of get together. Yeah. So we had a really good family friend who was um, no shit a billionaire. And so here's like my mum and dad from Lower Hut. And like our closest family friends, like a billionaire. And my dad is like, you know, typical, typical Maldi dad. Like the, this guy's like, oh, you know, no, I'll pay for everyone's dinner. And he's like, nah, no, yeah, we can go halves. <laughs> I'm like, cussy. This guy could buy the restaurant. You need to, you need to put the lobster on afterpay. Like, just let him buy the, let him buy the shit, bro. <laughs> and. Um, a massive experience for me was was being around people like that because what he really showed me, because he would tell me crazy shit about himself. Like <laughs> this one time he goes to me, because he's British, he's like, hey mate, you know, um, guess how old I was when I read my first book? And I was like, how old, Dice? His name's Dice. He goes, 21. First book. Didn't read his first book till 21. And yeah, and he's a billionaire. And like this guy, but this guy was like the coolest, most charismatic crack up dude. I'd ask him like, bro, like, what are you actually good at? Like, I'd ask him as a kid. I was like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, just kind of hang out with people and just build relationships. And he would always say manage relationships. And I would always be to my mum like, what the fuck does that mean? What is, what is that? <laughs> but I learned that like those soft skills on that scale, like those are the most important ones. And you know what's crazy is that as Islanders and as Māori, those are like, the, that's the shit that we're best at. But it's so funny because the area when it comes to like any sort of like working sort of industry is they value like hard skills at the place that we're allowed into, which is, you know, the general working environment. You know, they value like, you know, technical skills. And Islanders, like, we're not naturally, like, super inclined to understand technically, technical shit really, really well. It's not, like, it's not natural for us. But what is natural for us, it's crazy, because what's natural for us is the skills that are valued at the tier above that work, that working environment, which is managing people, which is being able to walk in a room and everyone feels like they know you. Mm. Which is being able to make a room crack up at, like, a dime. Like that's what our people are good at. Jeez. And that's all this dude was good at. He would tell me all the time, he's like, bro, I'm fucking not good at anything. <laughs> but I can make people like me just like that. And I was like, dang, that's me and all my cousins too. Fuck. Jeez. We can't even get a job at fucking countdown. <laughs> 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 so the biggest privilege of my life was being around people like that and being able to see that as a young kid. And so that they, they they really informed like sort of this next stage where I was like, you know, I don't I I didn't fin I never finished my degree. I don't know my way around like, you know, softwares and shit like that, but I can make a room of people really feel like they know me and that that's valuable somewhere. And this old fucking British dude in India, Dice, he taught me that. So yeah. Man, that's a, that's an amazing story, bro. Cause like you telling us like you your parents knew this millionaire, close family friend. Yeah. 
and and you you talk to them as, as a kid and, and you get this advice hey just just make friends build relationships and you're absolutely right would you agree brothers in terms of who we are as, as a people as polynesians and and maori you know we are in terms of the soft skills we yeah, we, we have this kind of emotional intelligence we've it's, got it yeah. so like naturally and mm. so, but yet some of us are like, no, 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 that's not the way we, we've been taught. Like you're saying, we've been taught, no, this is the, this is the way, this is how it should be. But you just gonna just you just put it on its on its head, like man, this is not how it is. Mm. And and you're and you're living proof that no, no, this is this is one way. But I'm actually being successful doing this in, the, in another avenue. To- totally, mm. totally. Like I, you know, I, r- I run a company and we've got staff and and I, I'm not even just saying this to say it. I'm literally the least qualified person. I know the least. I know the least. Like everyone else has way more skills than me. You know, they all went to uni. Like they know all this shit that I like couldn't even start to know. Mm. But there's one thing that I do have and our people do have naturally is like, yeah, there's, there's those exact skills. And so that's where my value, I found my value that I brought. And, you know, for so long it was undervalued, you know, and, and paths that didn't really suit like me authentically and the only real challenge was just finding like what that one is that I can just tie myself to and it's crazy the moment I found it it just it clicked from the beginning and it just hasn't stopped clicking ever since really that's That's so interesting eh? it sort of makes me think about um, and perhaps I'm sort of tapping into more a personal angle but in terms of that um, you know being told to assimilate you know, to, to sort of the Pakeha lifestyle and, you know, if, if you want to succeed, that's the way to go. Mm. Um, being able to like then sort of pivot and embrace, you know, that, that organic culture within you and sort of that ancestral route, um, sometimes it can leave you in a weird middle ground. It totally like does. You feel like you don't fit in, in either way yeah. and then you're, yeah. Did you ever sort of go through that in terms of making that shift? Oh, for sure. And I still feel it now, but... That, that middle ground is, is really funny that in between, and exactly like what you said, like to give like a really specific example, like that middle ground in between, I guess like the Pākehā world and then like our world, it's really funny that that middle ground feels really lonely when you're trying to navigate it, but then you talk to all our people and it's like, we're all actually in it. You know, we're all in this middle space and it's only sort of in, in general assembly when everyone's around that we're made to feel like that we're the only one in it. But when you actually really talk to people, we're all like, yeah, well, I mean, I I have so many of these conversations. It's like, you know, I don't feel like a real Fijian or a real Māori. I don't, I don't speak. Um, you know, I haven't been since I was like mm. a, a little kid. And then like, these are such relatable conversations on a broader scope. And like, I've got mates that they speak fluent real and went to, you know, kōhanga and stuff. And they're saying like, they don't, they don't feel really mouldy. And it's not until we have these convos that we actually discover that about each other and you realise that, nah, we're all in this middle ground. And it's actually coming to the understanding that, well, none of us are a monolith. Like, we've been made to believe that there's only one acceptable version of us. Mm-hmm. That's what we've been to- told for so long. Whereas we all talk to each other and we're like, nah, like we're all so different. And we're comfortable with that. The only time we feel like that's not accepted is... When we go out there, 
Yeah. But then we talk to each other and we're like, nah, fuck, I feel exactly the same, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the fucking same. Bro, that's, that's, that's deep, man. Because it is, yeah. you know, we always hear, we, that, that word's kind of thrown out every time here on Joe and brothers. Yeah, diversity, diversity, diversity. Yeah. But you're right, because you think of diversity, we're, we're all diverse in terms of being within our cultures. Totally. Yeah, we're all different. Because oh, diversity is the way it is in terms of Polynesian culture or Maori culture or Pakia culture. But you look deep within, we're all different in our own so unique ways. So how, how, how did you... How did you manage all, the, all of that? Being in, like you're saying, being in the middle. How did you manage to say, you know, okay, this is who I am. This is my identity. So I'm just gonna keep going this way. But mine, mine was really hard because for for a long time I didn't feel like I really belonged um, anywhere, and, and it's a really, really, really common experience. Mm-hmm. Like my my Maori family, uh, my dad's side, you know, a lot of them are like. Tuturu is like they speak real and like you know grew up around it like well, there's this um some Tiatiawa and in, in um Tifanganuatara in Wellington Tiatiawa based around um Waifatu Marae in, in a suburb called Waifatu in Lower Hut and everyone literally lives around the Marae and so you know they're really entrenched like in the culture and stuff and that's my um that's the Maori side of my family but we grew up in in Wainui like quite far from them and so you know, like we we never really felt like we fit in with even just our own family, let alone you know, them in general. And then when it came to being um, Fijian, like having grown up overseas and and having sort of had the experiences I, I had, I think even like amongst Fijians, they were always kind of like, oh, "What's this guy's buzz like?" What's his accent up to? Like, so, and so you know, even amongst Fijians, like it was really hard to sort of find a really com- like comfortable sort of zone in the Fijian community. And then you know, to Pakeha, where I probably felt the most like, I probably felt the most similar to Pakeha because I'd had a lot of these experiences going overseas, and I was really lucky to go to private school. But you know, to them, I'm just another brown dude down the street, like we all are to to a lot of them. And so that was a really hard realisation for, for me as well. And so I always felt sort of stuck in this middle ground. And I think for me, I actually thought it was a weakness for ages. Mm. Was like if I if I can't figure out how to be like representative of Māori or Fijian and um, shit, I definitely can't figure out how to be representative of Pākehā unless I start playing golf and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and manage to... Move it to Ponsonby, even if it's just in a rubbish bin, like <laughs> so I can hang around. You know, if I don't figure out a way to do that, like how am I ever going to feel like I belonged? But it wasn't until I um, really started to put myself out there and, and having this experience, exactly what I said before, that other people were like, no, we feel the same. And then I guess for me, my next mission as a both a Fijian and a Maori man is redefining like what those mean in a lot of people's eyes. Because mm. I think for a lot of people. You know, they've had a really set idea of like what a Fijian is yeah. or what a Māori is. And I think I'm really committed to just coming in and being like, nah, I bet you've never seen or heard a dude like me. And I'm just as Fijian and Māori as they yeah. come. Love that. Yeah, on uh, another interview I heard um, you talk about being half Fijian, half Māori. Yeah. And the tension that came, you know, that came with that. But then you, you talked about, nah, I'm full Māori and... Full Fiji. Yeah. Can you sort of unpack that a bit? For sure. I thought that was powerful. Yeah, for sure. It was um 
it, it was a, it was an it was that authenticity thing again you know mm. like yeah for for so long i guess i had fallen into that trap of like am i worthy of calling myself like either of these things am i half this you know i'm half this half that don't know a whole bunch about like you know tikanga i don't know a whole bunch about fijian culture um but I think for me, like I, I realized that it it doesn't fucking matter what I know. Like it's it's with me and it's been with yeah. me. Who you are. It's a thing I was <laughs> given at birth and mm. was blessed to be given. And um you know, if, as 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 Kiwis in general, it's a really difficult culture to to be really certain on on anything, you know? Like mm. we're you know, we're a culture that breeds you know, if, if somebody's like really certain on something and they're like, you know, they're stamping their foot down, everyone's, the, the natural inclination for a lot of people is like, oh shit, what's this dude up to? <laughs> <laughs> and um, one thing I realised was that, you know, I think there's, there's one thing that is of no question is that being able to claim your culture. Like no one mm. can actually take that away from you. Yeah. R- regardless of what their view of that is. And so for me, I just started as considering myself full both because I am full both and it doesn't come with the you know the T's and C's of like oh you know I'm Māori but I don't really know real but I'm like I'm learning mm-hmm. even though I'm not yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh no I don't really know um, like Fijian but I'm, I'm you know I'm training um, <laughs> I'm running <laughs> I started running the hills <laughs> which I'm not <laughs> Um, and so really coming to terms with that and and really being okay with like nah I, I can I'm, I'm the Fijian and, and Māori that a lot of these people are gonna mm. the, the first one that a lot of these people are gonna see and so I'm happy to be you know whatever the whatever I bring them that, that can be a representative of, yeah. of, of where I'm from because because that's me that's so cool that's awesome oh that just sorry adding on to that because you that's what you said you said being half Fijian half Maori doesn't dilute who I am as a Fijian Maori like I'm fully Fijian I'm fully Maori totally that's powerful totally yeah yeah. I don't know fucking Tika Tonu but you know I'm gonna learn it um. (laughs) (laughs) and I bet you whoever's ruining you and and, and like cheering you on it's like man that's He's from my tribe, or like he's Fijian, he's Maori, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone's repping. So, yeah, shout also. Sorry, bro. No, no, Appreciate you're all it, good. And I was curious, you know, sometimes being in the middle lane, it's really easy to like downplay your skill, even if it'll happen historically throughout your life, where like when you finally land on it, you'll reflect and be like, damn, th- this was always where I was. I meant was, to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was curious about you being in that lane and like, you know, there, there, I'm sure there would have been times where you kind of had to downplay aspects of yourself in order to fit in because fitting in was way more comfortable than being quirky and organically, authentically yourself. Um, so I was curious about some of those experiences, but also in terms of maybe did you have a soundboard, someone who you were just able to fire your craziest thoughts to and they were like, yeah, nah, you're crazy or like, nah, you're onto something. On the on the soundboard thing, you know what my big soundboard was was genuinely it was my podcast. It was yeah, it was because um, 
I'm I'm really I'm really really hard on myself. It's like, which which I think is a really it's a really Islander thing. <laughs> you know the the voices of our family just yeah <laughs> they stick in our heads for life. And um, and so for me, a podcast was. Cause like and and I think this probably comes to my view on mental health as well. I think a massive massive issue with men's mental health in particular in New Zealand is I think we have a huge huge problem around uh, expression, <laughs> and a lot of men never learn how to express themselves in any form, in any form, let alone the hardest form of expression, which is when you're vulnerable. Mm. You know, one one thing that I kind of like always sort of use as, as an example is with rugby culture and especially for like us brown men it's always you know like all of us have had that white dude come up to us like hey you play rugby mate <laughs> what position you hey, what, what position are you mate <laughs> I'm like alright Darren um, <laughs> <laughs> hooker but um, <laughs> it's that um you know, we're, we're, we're given less chances to, to really have an, an identity. Um, men, men in particular, I think, Aotearoa has, has really carved out a, a certain view. And not only do we all feel held accountable to that, but we hold each other accountable to it as well, which is such a tough thing to navigate. And so... You know, like I can even think on like a micro level. I could be sitting around with a, a bunch of my boys, and um, well, we could all be talking about something super trivial. Like, what are you gonna? What do you guys feel like for dinner? And I can say something like, you know, a little bit like out the gate, like, oh, I feel like La Pochetta. <laughs> you already know what the reaction is. <laughs> my name is La Pochetta for the next five years. <laughs> I'm too La Pochetta. Changed my name to La Pochetta in the group chat. Started sending me Italian memes and shit. Yeah. All I was saying, I was, felt like some, you know, macaroni and cheese and some fucking lasagna. And now, no, now I've got a whole new identity. Now I've got to go learn Italian. <laughs> you know, it's it's on like such a micro level like that, that, you know, we feel sort of hindered on like being able to express ourselves. And so if you feel sort of hooked to, if you feel sort of trapped and, even just a small level like that, how the hell are you going to feel like you can do it on something massive, which is maybe like the first time in your life you felt sad or the first time in your life you've realised that, you know, you're maybe not going in a direction of your life that you're going in. Like, if you can't even say what you feel like for dinner, how do you even have those conversations? And so for me, my podcast was the first time that I was uninhibitedly just saying what the fuck was on my head because I wasn't surrounded by all these people. I was literally just in a room on my own and I wasn't like worried about like, oh shit, I wonder like what the boys think of this or nah, nah, you know, I won't say that. I won't say that. Nah, I was just like, oh fuck it. Like I'm going to talk about the movies that I feel like, like watching because when I'm around my mates, they're going to make fun of me if I bring this up. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about this random as like German TV show that I like watch. I was just talking about like stuff that I was real into and it was the first time I'd ever done it in my life. And then the big lesson for that for me was that I had a massive 
like itching to express myself and this was the first time I actually really did it authentically the oh. first time ever in my life and so my podcast was actually a, a massive sort of game changer for me was because not only did I realize it was this massive problem that I'd had which I didn't even realize that I had but it was the first time that I was able to you know relieve it and really understand it within myself but sorry some of the examples you talked about like that's so true yeah like, like have you guys subtle, ever felt that yeah oh, and it's um well i'm probably on the other end as well giving it like without even we all do it to yeah, each other yeah, you know and it's, it's almost part of our culture and it is how do we change that eh? it is like i remember the most intimidating thing was sitting around and like the most intimidating thing for brown people what's that sitting around in the Yui booms playing who picks the next song <laughs> scariest thing for an islander scariest thing for a moldy don't play what you really want to play but play what you oh think yeah. everyone wants to oh hear. yeah because you're sitting there you're like oh, oh oh fuck they're playing tennessee whiskey but I want to play Venga Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, they're playing Catch Fire, but I fucking want to play Kylie Minogue, to be honest. But um, <laughs> Jason Donovan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like that's um, and and it's it's those are things that we never think about mm. have that lasting effect on us, but they do, mm. they do, and and to think that those little, you know, it's never. Uh, People always talk about it. it's never one big thing. It's a lot of really small things. Mm. And for me, I like I realized that within myself. It's like it's these thousands of small things through my life mm. that have sort of led me to feeling like trapped like this. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, that that podcast was the first time I was like, nah, I like all this shit. And I'm sitting in the room talking on my own, so I'm not scared to say it. And you know, at the start, like no one was listening, so I wasn't scared to say anything. And then. It just kind of took on a life of its own, and then, mm. but yeah, that was that was really the first the first one for me. Oh man, good on you, because you're right. Because, and I guess you we, we could all agree, um, usos, because it's just those, those small things that like you were saying. The small things we talk about, and yeah, we we laugh and we laugh with them, or we kind of we kind of joke about ourselves, and you know, just to take the focus away from us totally. or from some of the things that we've done. Totally, and so we just mock ourselves. Um, but we and not realizing it hurts. And we always like we laugh. It hurt, yeah, hurts we laugh. every time. Yeah, it hurts. We laugh at we laugh with them at people's expenses and like oh my gosh. And then we realize oh wait a minute that really hurts. And we laugh. Oh, but really just <laughs> oh yeah yeah, nah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Want to cry just, every time. But it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> that we do we we do that to ourselves. And you bring a good point because you know some of those thoughts are, uh, or some of those those memories are still embedded in us for for ages. Still there. For ages, and we wonder why, like, oh man, you know, I wonder how come this this person so so is not doing good, or so so is in this kind of rut? But we do it to ourselves, and, I, and I'm guilty of it as well. Like Charles was saying, I'm guilty of it too. I'm so guilty of it. Forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> 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 we do. We mock each other, not knowing that, not knowing the emotional damage. Yeah. You know, we laugh oh, at that kind totally, of stuff. Totally, totally. So um, you're right, man. It's just crazy that we can't. Um, undo some of those things that we've done yeah. in the past but it's, it's, it's about doing what do we do now in terms of the younger generation our, our the younger men or even our, our boys our young boys and just in terms of kind of changing that uh, that kind of way of, of thinking and instilling some positivity uh, versus the the, the, the negative and, and I think my my like and this is completely my opinion like my, my solution has always been like really encouraging that expression and it sounds real cliche but like I noticed with me 
because I would like I would partake in that just as much as anybody else. But then I realized the more and more I put myself out there and put myself in really vulnerable positions, the less I was inclined to do that because, mm. like, I I started to realize what it felt to like really put my feelings out there. Because because you know if you're somebody that you never ever put uh, your feelings out there and you're never ever vulnerable, you never ever get to feel like how hard that is. Mm. So you kind of go around and you you know it's it's so easy to just make other people feel that way because you don't actually know the impact of that. Yeah. But for me it was once I started really opening it up to myself I was like oh shit that's that's a really really difficult thing. And so I, it was even little things like when that would happen like around I would always regardless of whether I agreed with them or not I would always support the person that was getting like mm. hammered on whereas you know back in the day I was I was making fun of them too, so. <laughs> but it was little things like like that. Yeah, once I really put myself out there and was willing to be vulnerable and and, ex- and really like commit to expressing myself, it, it it changed my life. And I think the really crazy thing for us as Islanders and and Maori is we're so expressive. We're so expressive, and like we have so much to say. Like. You know, all you have to do is just watch a, you know, watch a dance battle at a high school in South Auckland. They're all going ham. Yeah. And, and like, we, we have so much to offer and so much to give, but it's the first thing that we take away from each other. Wow. And so I think once I realised that I had that in me, I lost that inclination to take it away from others. Jeez. That's, powerful, that's, that's, that's cool, man. Man, because... You know, uh, n- another thing to it in terms of like our men and our people um, wanting to sort of express themselves, it's hard. So they project their insecurities on others. Completely. And so instead of them like being vulnerable or getting to the spot where they have to be, they'll, they'll just either support someone else or they'll be the one to like, uh, either gap it or... Um, Mock themselves. Mock, mock yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. 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 Twice as hard to get the attention yeah. of you. Kind yeah. of thing. Hard yeah. Yeah. Hard that's, hard I know that's something yeah, I've done in the past where I'm like, they strike a sense of Like a bee, you know, you get stung, you know not to go there. Oh. So you just throw back, like you go nuclear almost straight away oh, completely. just to keep them off you in future. But yeah, yeah there, there's, I think there's a fear there that, you know, you'll get mocked, but it'll linger for a long And you'll only ever be known as that guy that, that totally. said that one thing that one time years and years totally. ago. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So good. So good, man. Joe, and what you're saying, Joe, that's quite profound because you're saying, dude, you don't give a stuff what people think about you now. You're saying, hey, it's because I'm expressing myself, it's quite liberating. Yeah. yeah. It's liberating. You say, hey, and so because you're quite vulnerable, this is who I am, you're, you're, you're quite, you feel free, free to be yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so when people are mocking, you think, it's just like a water of, of a duck's back. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it's hard. It is hard. And then so I'm thinking, in terms of your comedy, stand up comedy, and when you're up there talking, it's like, man, I'm, I'm expressing myself. Because, you know, people, you've heard the saying, uh, laughter is, is the best medicine. And so you, when you're up there doing those jokes and telling those jokes, it's like, hey, this is my time to just express myself fully. And there's a lot sure. of truth in that. For sure. Yeah. And, and comedy in itself inherently is so, you know, that's the most vulnerable thing because you're going up there and you're hoping to make people laugh. And there, there's something like so difficult about that. Like it's it's almost like you're opening people up to a 
to you know like you're open, you're basically opening them up to yourself and being like hey do you do you like me like that's that's what it feels like as a comedian and i think for me the most powerful thing i ever could have done for for my comedy was start going to therapy because for me like what it did was it, it taught me all those things of you know really loving really loving myself and being okay with what i'm putting forward regardless of whether people are taking it or not because it wasn't just expression it was therapy as well i should make that clear like, like that, those were two massive massive things for me and so the reason it was the best thing to ever happen to me when it came to my comedy is because i lost that um that whole thing that comedians really carry with themselves is like i need the audience on my side mm. And um, because well, like when I first started out, my comedy was really different from my real like speaking voice. So you have a comedic voice and then you have a speaking voice. My comedy voice really early on was really different. And um, it was like, like I would come on and I'd be like really arrogant. And I'm like, and I would do it because I thought it was funny. Like for, for example, when I first started, I used to walk on stage and be like, Fuck, it's real hard being handsome, mate. Because like one of the big things is, that, like, and I'll do this joke where I'd be like, a lot of comedians talk about like that they don't really have much sex, and um, that's really unrelatable for me because I, I, <laughs> I fuck heaps, and um, like I have a lot of sex. Like I, I have so much sex. Anyways, um, <laughs> you know, that was oh, um, that, that was my comedy earlier because it was so it was it was so far removed from who I am as a person. So when it came to you know the whole sort of function of being a comedian and being funny, I was throwing that out, but I wasn't actually giving a real version of myself. Mm. So if it didn't land, I could just be like, "Oh, it's a persona," you know, it's yeah, not really yeah. me. And um, with uh, yeah, with getting older and and expressing myself more and being more vulnerable and and going to therapy my voice moved to where my comedic voice now is it's just my real voice and so like to be honest i'm not really that funny on stage at the moment like i just kind of just go up there and just fucking talk <laughs> <laughs> but it's um it, it was such a massive revelation for me because it was just like no i know i'm a funny person so i'm not going to try to come up here and be funny I know me as a person is funny, so I'm just going to be me. Mm. And just like in any conversation, like I'm not doing it for laughs. I'm just doing it to talk and every now and then there's a laugh. So I, I'm I'm just going to do that rather than try and, you know, continuously try to pull them out of different places that aren't me. And so, yeah, that, that's, that, that, that was my whole journey with comedy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> sorry. that's crazy. That's sorry, also, I'm just... If if you can and if you want, um, what led you to therapy? The first, uh, to be honest, both times, because I I definitely had two sort of stages with therapy, but both times, for lack of a better word, they were forced upon me. So okay. I can't um, I can't take uh, credit for being really um, you know assertive and take it on. I was. You know, I was just as avoidant as I'm sure a lot of men are. And it's, I, I think the word that is associated quite often with things like therapy and with reaching out is pride. But for me, it was uh, a shame. And that's kind of a word that I associate closer to that feeling when yeah. it comes to like reaching out. I think for me, I, I would often think about like how much my parents did for me. Mm. And that was the one for me where I was like, they've done so much for me and they sacrificed so much for me and my brothers. Like, I can't believe that I still need this shit. I would think about that all the time. 
And then what had to change was my attitude towards her of like, no, like they sacrificed a lot for me to be happy with me. And they can only control so much. Like if I'm not happy with me, like that's not their responsibility. That's that's mine. And so that was when my relationship with it changed. And so after the second time that I was kind of pushed into it, because yeah, pretty much my ex like forced me into going to therapy. <laughs> um, that was my relationship with it changed over the course of that sort of second um, stage of me going. And, and now I have a really good relationship with it. It's just, kind of something that's I guess just a part of this whole journey that I'm on of just trying to be as true mm. to myself as possible and 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 really the biggest one is uh learning how to like love myself yeah and and learning how to because I'm a super I really take pride in like really looking after people and and especially people that have like looked after me and uh like I'm a I'm a really loyal loyal person and 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 always really pay attention to be really respectful, and I realized that I would do that so much for everyone else and never for myself, mm. and so that's what therapy has been awesome for with me was realizing that well you want to do it for others you can't do it to the level that you want to do it if you're not doing it for yourself, so the second I came to that realization, it made me a better person. And for me, it's because I want to be a better person for the people around me. But that's that's been the thing that's really motivated me to take control of it myself. And and it's it's been awesome, man. Like I've, I've never been happier in my life, like with myself. And it's not tied to my professional life. It's not tied to like anything sort of exterior. It's tied to like right in here. And it's uh, and I've never felt better for it. Good man, it's good man. Well said. Yeah, um, that leads me to this next question because I've been asking it with our last few guests in this terms of like some because we've got quite a lot of high profile guests that come on, mm. and so and they're always interested in like, okay, you do this thing that you love, and then you've got your name for it. Oh, this is giving you like a high profile, but what, who is Joe if comedy was to end next week? I, I'm fully, I'm fully devoted to um, empowering people that, uh, you know, in, in many ways haven't been empowered. Mm. And comedy is just a vehicle that I, that I do that in, you know, now and, and television. But if, if that all disappears tomorrow, I'll, I'll find another, you know, vehicle to do that. Like the the biggest satisfaction I get from my career is, um, is really being able to give opportunity to others because, like, I know how it felt for so long. You know, even like that property development example. Like, I I, I worked my fucking ass off for them, and for ages, like I remember, I would walk home and just kind of be like, man, like, will, will someone just give me a chance? Like, I'm surely I'm doing something like that. Someone can see and just be like, yo. Bro, like I see you, yeah, and I, I want to give you this. Go run for the hills with it, and um, for ages I I dreamt of that person coming, and to be honest, they never came for me. But what I realized was that no, I was dreaming of a version of myself that I wanted to be, and that's like the pride that I take in 
when it comes to not only like what I do, but like who I am as a man. And that's what I'll do for the rest of my life, whether it's in, cause I won't do comedy and like TV shit forever. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll probably go do some other random shit. Like, and I'm not talking like in my fifties, like probably like pretty soon, like my thirties and stuff. Like I, I just want to do as much stuff in my life as possible. Cause we ain't here forever. And so I'll do a lot of different shit, but it'll always have that through line of, Finding and giving opportunity to others, and and really just you know galvanizing voices that for a long time haven't been heard. Mm. Yeah, it's cool, man. And I was going to ask about cool. sort of now that you've mentioned some of those things that um, you know looking to do different things in the future. Um, is there much thought that goes into that, or are you sort of like enjoying the present and like just soaking it all in while you're while you're in it? Yeah, pr- pretty much. Not too much thought, really. Like <laughs> we've got a we've got a general manager at West Park, so he he basically runs the company. And even he was like, um, "All right, so we like need to have a planning session. So like, what are you doing October, November, December?" And I was like, "Fuck knows." <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> but um, but I told him I was like, "I don't know, but it'll be something. It'll be busy." Like, and he's like, "Oh, okay, is there heaps of stuff in the pipeline?" I was like, "No," <laughs> but. I think for for me, the moment I realized there was power and and what I want, you know, like what I want, it isn't it isn't just a, a dream for me. It's like if I want something, I can go get it. So I don't um I don't really sweat like you know needing to plan things or needing to know every single thing because where my mentality just got to, you know, through this whole journey of self-realization was like yeah if if i want something i'll get to it and so it's really in the hands of the universe when that comes but what i can control like mm-hmm. i'm gonna take care of that so i'm not gonna sweat anything really and it's cool if i wake up tomorrow and i genuinely if i wake up tomorrow and, and interior design is genuinely like a massive passion of mine if i wake up tomorrow and i decide like i want to just do interior design like for comedy and stuff like i i genuinely will Love that. So that that's just kind of how I'm like leading my life, really, and and yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's a crack up. Yeah, it's cool because um, um, we've had guests that have come on here, real successful. They have the, these five year plans and have told you know have told us their way of doing things and go, oh, you got to have a plan. Wake up. This is what I got to do strategically. And then we just had someone recently just talk about I don't have a, I don't plan. I just. I just wake up and if I feel like I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And just hearing you, this is adding to it. So we've got all these different successful people, but just being happy and, and like really finding their drive and purpose. And I love that because not everyone's the same. Yeah. So someone might be sitting, you know, that listening in and thinking, oh man, I need a five-year plan, but we don't know how to plan or our brain or yeah. our being don't tick like that. But yeah. seeing someone probably listening after this podcast, hearing you, okay. Oh, shucks, I want to wake up. I think I'm going to be the best driver. <laughs> and then just go do it. Because yeah. my relationship with it changed because I, I used to be a big planner. Okay. But I'm a, a, I'm the most spontaneous dude you'll ever meet. <laughs> like, if you if you told me, like, yo, do you want to go to fucking Rotorua tomorrow? I'm like, yo, all right. <laughs> and so when I really understood that, yeah. 
Who's trying to get rid of what's fire, fire, fire the bus up, chat. Fire it up, brother. Let's get, let's get tonight. Let's get to <laughs> You know, I, I, I realized because for me, like I, I, I would plan stuff and I had like I always had like a six month goal, year goal, one year, five years. If someone asked me like what my what my plan of action was, like I knew that. But um I'm such a spontaneous person and I'm such like a people driven person. Like I'll have a plan, but if somebody comes to me and like I really love their vision and I love their drive. You know, it doesn't matter how much like I feel set on my path. If I'm with somebody and, and I like what they're telling me, I'm like, fuck it, let's do that. And so because of that, like I think for so long I had been told, you know, in order to be really successful, you've got to like have these things lined up. So I think I forced myself to be that person. And I think when I came to terms with the fact that I'm not that person and I'm just going to live my life professionally how I want to live it personally um it was the best thing that ever happened to my professional career and like I even think of it on like a micro level people it, it even like adds to the demand of you as a person because you know people will kind of just be like oh yeah did have you like seen this opportunity like are you gunning for it and I'm like no nah, not really if it comes it comes if it doesn't it doesn't and you know, to them, it sounds like oh shit, this guy's got like heaps in the, he's got heaps on the on his plate, <laughs> he's got heaps in the bank. <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, I'm just, just really leading life like by my heart. And honestly, since I started doing it, 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 it just has my life has never felt more organic and more natural and just, yeah, just cruisy, mm-hmm. really. Like, I, I I work my ass off. But my life is really easy. And I think really achieving that for myself and seeing how I got there, I really want to make sure people understand that that is actually something you can do. It doesn't have to be this massive like grind and every day is hard and every day you wake up and you're like, oh, fuck this. I got to get like, you know, that doesn't have to be normal. You literally can just live a life where you're, Every day you just do what you want. And it's literally what I do. I just do what I want every day. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <man. laughs> I was curious about um, comedy these days. Seems like it's so high stakes. Like council yeah. culture is at its peak. Um, sure. You know, people can get offended at anything you say. For Does sure. that ever sort of play on your mind in terms of <laughs> as you're going about this journey of sort of being authentic and in the, the industry that you're in, um, does it ever play on your mind at all? Uh, it, it, I mean, it definitely does. Like, you know, no one, you know, even just then, you know, talking about like, you know, just cruise your life, it's easy. You know, no one wants to be disliked, really. You know, no one wants to be hated. And so I think ultimately that's the biggest fear with cancel culture is not only just the fear of being hated, but the fear that you've been misunderstood. And so I think with me, like, why the approach with my comedy, like, more just leading with my personal voice is because if I'm speaking to something that's, like, true to me, then if it's misunderstood, then I'm probably more likely to be okay with that than if I was trying to lead from, like, a comedic voice and I, like, kind of fucked up, you know, like, what I was trying to say. Whereas it would be so much easier if I'm just talking and if people don't get it, I have so much to sort of, lean back on because I'm just speaking from my own self, my own experiences. And so that's kind of how I navigate that whole environment. Cause it is really like, it is fucking like pretty, 
like jarring and hostile like when it comes to being a comedian in this day and age like mm. people will like pull you up on the smallest shit <laughs> but um because i just speak from like myself even if i do get pulled up and i get pulled up fucking all the time i always know like have an experience to speak to and something to like pull pull back from so yeah that's kind of how i navigate it <clears throat> which is ironic because yeah a few of the things I've said on here might be my last thing I ever do, so. <laughs> right, this is funny, man. Because uh, what you're doing, um, Joe, because some people are watching this and say, hey, man, you're breaking the mold. You know, this is this is how it should be done. This is, Thanks, you know, bro. goals and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you need to have this planning, five-year planning and so forth. But, you know, it's what's really interesting. You're saying, hey, you know, and you're just proving to, to, to people out there, or men out there in general, that it doesn't have to be this way, you know. This is this is for, this is it may not work for you, it work for or work for someone else, but this is how it's worked for you and pan out for you and for you to say, cruisy because you think cruisy success. Those two words kind of meet together. Like, yeah. how does that work? But for you, it, it works. It works. And what I'm what I'm I'm what I'm getting um with you, Joe, is that you're confident. You're confident in who you are, but also you're confident in your ability. In terms of and your purpose, you know, regardless of if comedy stops today, like Charles was saying, if comedy stops today, I got another avenue. I can do something else, and and it's not because of okay, these are the things that it, that I can do, but it's because of the purpose you have in terms of helping others and uh, instilling in, in other people. And so, in saying all of that, how does it feel when you're like, in terms of planning and all that? How do you just how do you how how content are you in terms of just knowing when to be cruisy and not be cruisy. I I think like your your co-papa is the biggest thing, like what you're working on. Because uh, I think for for me, I I, I only ever do the, do things that I really believe in, and I only do things that I really enjoy doing. And so, when you lead with yourself like that. And this is the biggest power that we forget when we do stuff. And this is the most important thing to when it comes to building a career. It opens you up to like-minded people. Mm-hmm. The only, honestly, the only good thing, and I'm not even just saying this as like a thing to like say, like the only real good thing I'm good at is like, like people. It's really like just, you know, like I love being around people. Love like, I could just sit with randoms and just talk for for hours. Like I, I you know, I really love it, and it's honestly the only thing uh, I'm good at. And so when it comes to like doing projects and stuff, it's it the reason I have like so much trust in myself and not feeling like I have to always have like the next thing going, is because I always meet great people and like what I do, and it just sort of always lends itself to the next thing and the next thing, and the next, and so. Uh, that that's that's really like where that um i think contentness i think being content i think that those are really good words being content in myself and being content in where i'm going i think that's where that comes from is cuz for me i'm just all about all about people like above everything else and as long as i'm meeting really good people that i align with which is always going to happen cuz i do projects and stuff that i align with and that are very me that's um that's never ever gonna stop, like ever. Um, that's why I even say like if I just want to go do something else tomorrow, 
like I, I reckon I could get pretty successful in it pretty quick just because I'll know like the people to meet that'll really unlock that for me and um, it's really the only thing and and to bring it back to I guess what we we're talking about at the start like us as brown people that's the thing we're best at as people and it's honestly it's the only thing that I'm good at but it's a really fucking good thing to be good at Jeez. And oh. I was um, curious about how, um, for a lot of people, like that might be exhausting, like meeting people. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious about what drains you then, if the, if meeting people is you know gives you energy, what drains you, and how do you recharge? Six. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes, you're saying it for me. <laughs> Wait, does that drain me or recharge? Drain, drain, drain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not oh, the fast charger. Um, <laughs> it's the lightning charger. The, the, the old sicky. Um, <laughs> Depending on who it is, they um, are. The best thing is that that was absolutely what I was going to say too, Charles. So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we're on the same boat. No, I'm glad we're on the same boat, brother. I'm glad we're paddling the same walker. Same paddle. Is there something you want to tell us? Uh, same paddle. Oh. Same paddle. Since we're on camera, sex with the same person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How that? Oh, sucks. We did this. Same person. What trains on you the same night, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got to like that. Um, <laughs> my, okay, my, my big one is um, I really lean into my hobbies. So I've had the same hobbies genuinely since I was 10 years old. That's cool. So we... Um, I was really lucky to grow up. We spent a bit of time when we lived in Auckland and Northcote. We lived in Northcote Point uh, when I was like, just before we moved overseas. So maybe maybe when I was like four or five, because we moved overseas when I was five. So just before then, and we lived down the road from a, a movie theater and it's still there. It's called uh, Bridgeway Cinema in Northcote Point. And um, <laughs> my parents are crack up, man. Like, fuck, they, they they made me and my brothers really independent really quickly. And so as a five-year-old, they'd send me up the road to the movies. And this ain't the 70s. Like, that was, that was the 90s. Was, was, no, that was almost early 2000s. Like, was, they weren't doing that kind of shit anymore. Like, you know, sending kids up to the up to the pictures. So, um, yeah, but it started off my, um, my, old, my old man would take me up to the movies leave me in the cinema he'd be able to go work for a couple hours because I just loved it as a kid like got so obsessed with with the movies and then when I started being able to spend a lot more time on my own um that was like the the go-to thing for me was just going to the movies I'd catch the bus even when we moved back to Lower Hutt and I was like 12 13 I'd catch the bus over to Queensgate go catch just like a random movie and I'd do it just about every day like from intermediate age and I've done that to this day still. So <laughs> I don't know if anyone works at the movies, but I I could probably bet that every single movie theater, they have workers there that have probably seen me rock up like on my own because I do it literally once a week. Um, and uh, so really leaning into, you know, like a genuine love and passion like that. And it's so simple. Yeah. It's such like an easy thing. Um, and it's not tied to like obviously that's what I want to do professionally, but there's nothing like in it that's that I feel committed to. It's just like something I just rock up and just kind of do. Um, so that that's a massive one for me. It was 
and it's just something that I've you know you'll find a lot of these things are things that we were really like we were into when we were kids and as an adult we think we have to strip all that part of our identity away as we become like an adult but for me just leaning into the shit that I like doing as a kid and my ex used to always say like unlocking your inner child is the quickest pathway to happiness and that's what I always feel like when I go to the movies so that's the big one for me and it, and it, it works every time like that mm. yeah Man, that's, that's cool. cool man I'm really mindful for time also um, cheers brother but I would I I was um, interested because you know everything that you've shared it sounds because we only got limited time it sounds like oh that's a that's a easy sure. that's a cool pathway Oh, yeah, don't worry, I got the juice, brother. <laughs> it sounds like an easy pathway, but to get to where you oh, no, it doesn't sound easy, but I mean, we don't have a lot of time to really unpack what you actually went through, mm. and so, like, was it easy to navigate? To where you got now and because you're really self-aware you have all these reflections um you, you're confident now in who you are but i'm sure it wasn't easy to get to where you were Hard, hardest thing i've ever done hardest, hardest thing i've ever done um and it was not only hard for me but it was hard for like the people around me um like i really a really big one for me that i didn't talk about for years but i talk about like quite openly now is at the age of, uh, okay, how old was I, 2018? I was 22. Um, I was homeless for half the year, just living out of my car. Because I'd picked like such a, you know, sort of out the box career and my relationship wasn't great with my with my parents. Not only just because of that, but I think because, you know, just like we, what we all get like with, with families. Um, you know, really putting yourself out there and really trying to, explore your identity is such a difficult thing not only just for you but for everyone around you because everyone around you always has a really set idea on who you are as a person and so especially especially us as brown people man like we're so communal mm. you know and everyone you, you know everyone always takes pride in that they feel like they know you better than you know you yeah but no one does and that was a super difficult thing for me to come to terms with and why I even found myself in that situation was because I'd already sort of put my family in this situation where we we were already sort of moving apart because I had made all these massive decisions to really try and live an authentic version of my life. And I got to the point where I didn't really feel like I could reach out to anybody when I really needed to. And it's so simple. Like I look back now and like the biggest solution for me not having to be in that circumstance was reaching out for help. But because of my circumstances, I'd kind of convinced myself that like, oh, I'm already on the back foot with them. And I come to them with this. They're going to be like, well, we fucking told you. You fucking idiot. And I that just rung on my head constantly. And so I was like, nah, like I've got to figure out how to get out of this. And... And so that's why I kind of like look back at it. It was like the most difficult, easily the most difficult part of my life. <clears throat> it's because, yeah, like I said, like that that's not a, just a transition for yourself, but everyone around you. And it takes a long time 
for everyone to get it. And um, and I actually talked to Dre about this. The hardest thing when you really want to get out there and do something different is for people to understand not only what you're doing but why you're doing it. And they never get it, ever. And what I said to Dre was like, but just watch. Yeah. Because we'll be successful and that's when everyone gets it. That's that's when it's really easy for everyone to get it. And so that was like the really that was that really difficult time for me to get to the point I'm at now. And so I guess it like it, you know, it's kind of sounds like a no brainer as I say it, but for a long time, to a lot of people, including my family, you know, I was the biggest idiot in New Zealand. I was there was no one crazier than me. But um they get it now, so. Yeah. Wow. Hey, man, they get it, man. They get it now. Yeah, so. That's some true words, man. You're right. I think when you go out uh, on a limb and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do, yeah. people are thinking, what the heck is They're second guessing you and everything. And yeah. You're getting the trolls. You're getting people saying, hey, you just, just, just come back. Oh, and you're waiting for the, hey, I told you so. And you're right. Like, I think Dre was saying, hey, um, Charles, you know, hey, come on, TVNZ, give me a chance. Come on, man. Come to the party. And, it's, and you're, you're probably right. It's going to pan out that way. He's going to be successful. And you, likewise, yourself, obviously, in Comedy Central and, and, and your co-writing, all that kind of stuff, people don't get it. But now because they see, oh, bro, I get it. Yeah. You hear it, oh, Joe, that's Joe. And they all want a part of you now. Exactly. Mm. And I've said, I've said, like, me and Dre have had these conversations so much and I've said to him, like, everyone that doesn't get it is going to get it really quickly yeah. with you, bro. But the most important thing is that, like, he gets it. You know, he understands what makes himself special. Like, he really does. And the thing I love about that dude is, like, not only does he know that, but he's really proud in talking about, like, he knows what he brings. And I fucking love being around people like that. And so that's the um, the next part of the journey for him is because he's so sure of himself, being okay with people not being sure on him. Sure on him. And because just like everybody with him, they're going to be sure about it very soon. And and people always are, you know, when, when you get to certain points. And so really not putting too much value into, you know, what their thoughts are. Um, especially, you know, when they're not in favour of you is because they're so easily changed and they change just like that. It really makes you think like, oh, well, they didn't know until I told them. So maybe I was the one that, maybe I'm the most important person when it comes to knowing because they didn't know until I told them. So we're, we're both on that journey and, and it's been so good like sharing it with that dude. And, and um, yeah, I, I watched that whole episode and fuck it was a, it was a good listen. So yeah. <laughs> he's the man. Props to he's the man. He's the man. Yeah, he's the man. man. Oh, that's so cool. Oh man. I know those people, they, they get it now. Eh? They remember the financial and um, property develop, uh, development uh, developers. Hey, you guys oh, get it now. Oh, this, is a, this, now. this is a cra- this was a crazy full circle one. So I got asked to host um Stephen Adams's charity charity dinner. And I just got off the plane. I literally had just got off the plane that day from shooting a TV show in Amsterdam. And I was at this charity dinner, I was with all these like, you know, fucking rich white dudes. And guess who's there? Is my old property development boss. <laughs> 
and I just got a. <laughs> That's crazy. And so I just kept like, making fun of him on stage and stuff. And he's, like, <laughs> and he's laughing like, "Yeah, no, you got me, mate. You got me." And I was like, "Yeah, I bloody got you, you bloody cheeky bastard. Fuck you." But uh, no, yeah, no. <laughs> That's me. But that was cra- that was a crazy like full circle kind of thing. Um, yeah, bro, he would re- he would have been regretting it, man. Like, I, oh, I think he, I think there bro. was. It was so funny, like when we talked to each other, he couldn't really like say anything. Like, like, like he like literally like he was just like, mate, just oh, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Dasha? And then, yeah, yeah. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> then I started seeing confessions, and uh, it was over. Um, but yeah, that that was a that was a fucking crazy one. So yeah. That, that was um that's so funny I completely forgot about that that part until just now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome man. Are we doing? Oh, oh yeah. Oh man. We, we gotta oh, invite yeah, those gonna... so back. Hey man, we need to have we a part two. Part man. two. <laughs> we need to have a part two. This, you know, of this, obviously, there's a lot of things we haven't unpacked. Yeah. But bro, just kudos to you, man. Props mm. to you. Appreciate man. it, brother. And I love it. I love the fact you when you say, "Hey, they don't get it," but now they get it. Yeah. And the, the thing is, you you stay true to yourself. You know, you hope. Uh, you, you know, you just kind of said, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do." You know, you could have been easily doubt yourself, doubt. Obviously, all that kind of stuff could have been in your head, but you followed through, and you and you're doing it, bro. You're doing amazing work. Oh, man, my all love also, uh, mad love. Really means a lot, brother. Yeah, man. I just one massive fan. Like you know, we're, we're all just normal guys, but um, just firstly, just appreciate um, you saying if you want to be on Monday and. And so having you come on and um, just hearing your story and you um, sharing your heart to our people and especially men out there. And, um, and I just love how you've navigated the space. Um, a lot of us struggle trying to assimilate and have this tension of like, oh man, do I leave my culture at the door? Do I leave my self-sideness at the door? And do I have to be like these others? But, you know, we're learning. We're, we're, we're in a time where we're ripe for change, where we, man, this is our superpower. We can walk in this world, and we superpower. can also walk in this this other world. And and so hearing you, like, man, you're in a, you're in a field that not many of our people are in there, and you're killing it. <laughs> and so um, up, just, yeah, Thanks, appreciate bro. you, appreciate your time. Just want to honor you, give you your flowers while you're still young and doing it, and um, look out for a message. Okay, oos, I'll get rid of one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, appreciate oos. Thanks heaps. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, man. Bro, shot for. Um, I think what really stuck out to me was just you navigating that middle space. Um, uh, that just uh, really resonated with me. Just as as a teacher who's trying to be the best version of myself that I know I can be, but sort of being confined to the way the structures that are, you know, historically been passed down. I just take a lot of courage from you being able to be organic and authentic and carving your own brand of success. So I just wanted to say big ups on that. Mm-hmm. And um, especially for not being, uh, I always found that being in the middle lane, sometimes it's easy to get territorial and like, you know, you'll come across gatekeepers and people that are like, mm-hmm really territorial about their success um, no matter what level so I just want to say big ups to you for just being so open about it and being so willing to share your time with us um, but also just with the people that you come into contact with um, I can really tell that you're you're so genuine and we're just so grateful so thank you so appreciate it 
Yeah, man. Also, hey, also, hey. We just uh, like every other guest, um, Joe. We um, always give them a gift, a bit of a caricature. And so, brother. Oh my God! This this for you, brother. Oh, (laughs) for you, man. Appreciate so much. This old gift from the mandate team to you. Uh, Thank you so much, bro. Thank you so much, bro. Uh, We really appreciate it. Um, And so, is any is anyone that you can think of that would be um, ideal to come on the on the podcast? um, Joe. Uh, yeah, like oh damn, there's there's so many, but uh, yeah, I, I I can't thank you boys enough, man. Honestly, can't thank you enough. You know what? One of the one of the biggest things for me, really coming up when it came to, you know how I talked about before, you know, really looking, I, you know, I really felt like I needed that person to like really put their hand on my shoulder and tell me like, wow, it's all good. I think for me, I always thought it was going to be somebody like, you know, that knows me, that I know that comes out, you know, and they're they're like with you. And I think what I really quickly learned is like, um, no, it doesn't have to be that. And and very often it it will find you, but it's it's people that are going to come from places that you you probably haven't, haven't been, places that aren't close to you. And I know for me, you fellas like represent like that ideal not only just for myself but for a lot of a lot of our brothers you know who are really looking for that hand and like saying like fuck it's all good bro like everything you're feeling right now is so normal and I saw that from the moment I saw your guys content and for me it's like it's such an honour to be a part of it because like I see the impact that it's having and I know the impact it had on me as a young man like having that to look to so I, I, I really, yeah, I, I really can't thank you fellas enough for not only creating that space, but for even like inviting me to be a part of it because it's, it's really special and I just really appreciate, you know, what you boys are doing on top of even asking, you know, my fucking crazy ass to be here. But <laughs> so we appreciate it, man. I think um, what one dude... Uh, one dude you absolutely need to talk to is uh, you guys listen to New FM? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know Timmy, Tim Provides on New FM. Timmy, which I thought not the so, Pakeha Māori. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, the yeah. the Pakeha Māori follow. So Timmy's like a, he was a school teacher. And I don't even really know if I'm allowed to say it, but fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, Timmy was a school teacher. And he started doing like online content and uh, he started doing like a podcast, started doing his digital show, The Bakery, uh, bakery Runs, oh, yeah, which is real, yeah. yeah. And um, and he was he was, he was was a teacher. And through, you know, really empowering himself and doing all of these things, like he's now on a mainstream radio station, New FM, he's on The Crowd Goes Wild. And... Um, just doing all these really amazing things. He does a lot of like mental health talks around uh, yeah. around the country, travels around a lot. And this dude just did that literally like from, like no joke, I think it was from his garage. Like he was just making content from his garage. So he's got a fucking like, cool story and he's got really, really amazing stuff to talk about. And um, and I love that dude. Like I, I watched him work wow. work his way up to where he is now. And so wow. his, his, stories, cool. his stories are a real cool one, a real cool one. And and Riggs as well, who 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 does obviously 
the morning shack with with to me is another great one so honestly you you can't go wrong with with both of those boys like Riggs he was a I also don't know if I'm allowed to tell people about Riggs (laughs) (laughs) they're real protective about like what they used to do before and I'm like who cares boys he was yeah he he was like uh, something to do with like like I was gonna say something to do with electricity, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was just he he was just like work, working just a, a a corporate job and was just a boy from ourself and same yeah, thing yeah. made content and now he's you know does the show he uh, was part of the writers room full pounces wow yeah Jeez. like that's cool yeah these these boys are like just completely self empowered doing like such cool shit. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll forever like tell their story because I think it's it's so cool for our people to see that like you know, yeah. we we can do that shit Hard. and it can get us to like crazy ass places. Hard. So man. yeah, those those, those boys for sure. Man, Definitely word, man. Cool. Yeah, for, for sure, sure, man, for sure. But any last any last words of encouragement for our our viewers for our men out there, Joe? My my biggest thing is uh, just. Just go do it, brothers. Like we all have those thoughts of like, maybe I should try this, maybe I should do that. And uh, that was my thought when I thought about stand-up comedy, and just doing it, just doing it once. And I didn't think about the future, didn't think about like you know the possible career path. Just literally rocked up to an open mic and did it, and just doing it once changed my life. So that's all I would say brothers is yeah if you if you have something that you feel like is closer to like who you are as a person and you're not doing that right now go do it because just doing it once just giving it a go you will suck at it you're not going to be great but i I can guarantee that it'll spark something in you that'll change your life so that's what i'll leave for the boys and um and yeah, root heaps like me. <laughs> <laughs> well done, bro. Thank you for that. That last <laughs> bit of the Bye, man. Thank you so much. Also, thank you once again. And then, as usual, brothers, please don't forget, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. And as usual, brothers, refine, unlock, take, take charge. charge. Mandate.